Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Juliet First, good to see you this morning. So glad that you're here. Uh, like we said, next week, I don't know if you're excited, but it's Easter weekend. And um, so my question to you this morning is, yeah, you can clap for that, that's good. Um, my question to you this morning is, uh, who are you inviting? Who are you inviting? And you're like, what? Um, I don't think anybody. So, so listen, I get it, because I'm just like you. Like, I'm afraid to ask people to come to my church. Like, what will happen? Will somebody crazy come up and talk to them? Like, I get where you are in this place. So I wanted to do you a favor today. I want to do you a huge favor, and you can thank me later for this, because uh, I'm going to do the work for you today. Um, so I need your help. I need your participation. I know this is kind of weird. We usually don't get, do this at the beginning. Um, but many of you have cell phones, and this, again, is the only time I'm going to tell you to use a cell phone on Sunday morning. But if you could, could pull it out for me, um, I'm actually going to invite your friends to church next Sunday, on Easter Sunday. So if you could pull out your, your phone. And, and what's really cool is Facebook, and I'm, I'm not on Facebook, but somebody has told me that there's this new thing called uh, Facebook Live. Um, you know this? Am I the only one? That, I, I, I'm, just, I'm okay. I'm getting the okay that it exists. Uh, that we're going to go live, and if you'll pull out your phones and you'll stick them up, and when I count down to three and you hit go, uh, I'm going to invite your friends next week to uh, church. And I know some of you have like a thousand friends. I, I only have like three, if three. But some of you on Facebook have a thousand or 500 or 200. And so I just want, I, I got a couple. The rest of you, are you just losers or what? I mean, where's your phones? Come on. So here we go. All right, everybody got them up. Give me a thumbs up when you're ready to go. So I know that you, for those of you inviting, will do it. Here we go. Ready? Okay, I'm going to be looking at the people that have their phones. Here we go. One. This is going to be weird because I don't know what the pitch is going to be. I haven't thought this out yet. Uh, here we go. One, two, three. Hey, friends, so good to see you today. Uh, I'm going to do something for you that your friends won't do for you, which is invite you to our church next week. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're starting a new series uh, next week called Welcome, where we're going to rediscover the we and welcome. See, it's funny. Uh, we all want to be welcome, but eventually uh, welcome is all about me, not about we. And so we're going to rediscover the we and what it means to be welcoming. And uh, we want you to come. We don't care if you've been a follower your entire life or you just have lots of questions about who God is. Maybe you don't believe in God or maybe your mom or your dad or your friends or somebody else is going to make you come. Listen, I promise it won't be awkward. We're going to have a good time. And even if you believe in God or don't believe in God, there'll be something for you that day, I promise. So it's 1045 next week. Be here or be square. And um, love you. Can't wait to see you and meet you. Cut. Good job. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best. All right, we'll have like a thousand people next week if you have as many friends as you think you do. Um, anyway, sorry, we typically don't do that here, but we want to welcome you again if you're new. We've been in this series called The Good and Beautiful Life, and we've been going through this series for 12 
weeks. And you're saying, that's a long series, but we have been addressing the mess of our lives. Let's be honest, your life's messy, my life is messy. And so we've been addressing the mess of our lives, and it takes that many weeks to get it right. And so today, we're closing out this series. So if you're coming in at the end of this, you're coming in at the tail end, uh, you can go. We have a podcast. You can listen to our previous talks, or you can go online and watch them, however you want to do it. You can catch up over the last 12 weeks, but I'm so glad you're here. Uh, would you pray for me as we begin? Lord, what a joy and honor it is to stand before you and worship you and bring you glory. We pray that you would be in this time of teaching, that our ears would be open and our hearts would be filled. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, one year Janelle's uh, family invited us to the Buick-covered hills of Branson. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Branson. I'm not a fan of Branson. It reminds me of a hillbilly version of, of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Um, but her entire family invited us, grandparents, aunts, uncles. I mean, the whole family was going to be there. And so I put on my Barney costume. That's what my mother-in-law calls it. You know, I was just doing it out of obligation. I didn't want to go, but I went for Janelle. And so I put on my Barney suit to, to make everybody happy. And I went. And, you know, nothing screams fun like the Irish tenors and the Dixie Stampede. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, but anyway, we were going out to dinner one night, and the entire family is, is heading into the, the, the restaurant. And I noticed that Janelle's uncle is staying behind. And I'm like, what, what's with this guy? And so he does something really weird. He gets out of the car, and he had, he had a cane. He's not that old, but he had a cane. And uh, he starts putting, gets out of the car. Mind you, the rest of us are going in. He puts one, he puts his left foot in front and his right foot way back. And he starts bending his right knee. This is in a parking lot. And, and then he puts his right foot out and his left foot behind him and he's bending his knee. And then he, then he starts like, you know, stretching out some hammies and like he puts his cane over his head and he's doing stretches. And I look at Janelle and I said, what is wrong with your uncle? I feel like. I'm watching The Great Showman and Richard Simmons at the same time. Like, what is going on with this dude? This guy's weird. And um, she's like, I don't know. We'll just ask him when we get inside. It was really embarrassing. I mean, everybody's like walking off. Like, who is this guy? It's that uncle. And um, so I remember we get in, and I'm asking, hey, what's going on there? You know, you're working out. What's, what's the deal? And he said, oh, I, I, try, I do this so I don't get atrophy. And, of course, I'm in my early 20s. I'm like, at, at who? What's atrophy? I don't know what that is. And so uh, I quickly learned, though, in my 30s that um, I couldn't drive from Kansas to Ohio without, like, I used to just do it nonstop. And then all of a sudden, my legs would start hurting. And, and you know, it just kindly set, finally set in, like, this is what atrophy is. It's kind of painful. But I made sure, I told you now, I will never, ever grab a cane, and I will never do stretches in front of people or in the parking lot. And what's so interesting is this. I get it. The, her uncle wanted the outcome that he would never have atrophy. And so he would, he would take all the preventative measures. He would stretch and he would work out and he would do those things, which is great. He would put in a lot of work to avoid atrophy. Me, on the other hand, uh, I'm not going to look goofy and I'm not going to look stupid. I just don't want to do that. And so what I find is I'm unwilling to do the work to get the desired outcome that I, that I actually want. And I think that's so true for many of us is that we want a desired outcome, but we are so unwilling to put in the work. You with me on this? We want a desired outcome in our life. We want a desired outcome for who we are and everything else, but we are so unwilling to put in the work. Come on, 
you can remember you wanted to get into a specific college or you wanted to get into a specific school, but guess what? You didn't want to study. You didn't want to put in the work for the test. You didn't want to do anything that it took to get into the school that you wanted to get in. Maybe, maybe it's like this for you and, and with friendships and relationships. You see, we live in a culture where we're, all of us feel like we're alone to some degree. We feel like we're all alone. And we need relationships and we need friendships, but we can't seem to put down our phone and our Facebook. Like, we actually don't want to do the work of getting in front of other people and actually having to have a real conversation. Because that takes work. Getting to know people takes work, but yet we want friendships. You've had this in your marriage or your relationships, right? Uh, we want to have a great marriage. We want to have a great relationship with our significant other. By the way, men, if you want intimacy, uh, put in the work of learning how to have a conversation. See, we just skip, we just skip warming up the oven. Part of warming up the oven is having a good conversation with your spouse or with your significant other. So you want to get where you want to get, you want to get the desired outcome, then guess what? You better put in the work of learning how to have a good and meaningful conversation. Parents, you've been here. You have kids, right? And, and we want our kids to make a difference in life, but it starts with you making a difference in your own kid's life, which means that you have to show up. You need to be present. You need to be there. You need to ask questions. You need to listen to your kids. Like, we all want to do these things, but what we learn is that parenting, like, the most meaningful times are when we're the most tired. Like, the most meaningful time for our kids is when we put them to bed, but that's when I really don't want to talk to them. Just, like, shut up and go to bed. Please, play with your Legos. But, but we fail to see that that's the most meaningful time, and we don't want to put in the work required. Maybe you're nearing the end of your life, and um, you know this. And so for you, it is a lot of work to do anything. And so you just make a lot of excuses about why you can't do the things that you want to do. And, and I would just say this. Uh, do you know when somebody's suffocating? It's when they can't talk anymore. So if you can talk, guess what? You're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, then you still have purpose. It may require a lot of work, but eventually you'll get there. And so here's the truth. If you have a desire, work will be required. If you have a desire in your life, if you have a desire, work is going to be required. And it's so fun. It's so fun because for so many of us, this is not just a personal issue. It is a faith issue. You see, you, if I could step in your shoes for just a few minutes, you've been here in your faith journey. Your faith journey has been a major misunderstanding. And guess what? I'm here to tell you, part of it is not your fault. And here's why. See, we've turned faith journeys into momentary and not monumental. And here's what I mean by that. Like, whenever we come to, to God, like, it's this momentary thing where we say, Dear Jesus, come into my life, wah da 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 it's all good. And that's it. And then you're saying, what do I do next? And have you ever had this experience? Like, you've come to Christ, you decided to follow Jesus, and you don't know what's next, and you're asking what's next, and so you go to somebody who's been in the church their entire life, and you say, what do I do now? Have you ever noticed that they're happy to tell you, but they won't show you? They're happy to tell you how to get there, but they won't show you. And you know why they don't show you? You know why they're not standing next to you and walking with you and spending time with you? Because it takes too much work. It takes too much work. And so they just tell you. And you know, here's another truth. Sometimes the reason they tell you how to, how to live out your faith and how to live out your life is because they actually don't know what that looks like either. 
And so, so many of us want a relationship with God. We want to have a spiritual life. We want to understand who God is. But the bottom line is, the truth is, the desire we have for God does not always match the work we're required to put in. And I know some of you are like, it's not about works, Pastor. It's not about works. Listen, just hang on with me. Just listen for just a second. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. In fact, Matthew tells this great story. I love it. There's this great writer, Matthew, and we've been looking at Matthew's story over the last 12 weeks. And so today he invites us in, and if you haven't been here, here's where we are. Jesus is having this conversation, not with a massive crowd. He's having a conversation with his disciples. He's got these chosen few that are sitting down, and they're listening, and he's telling them some of the most important things that he wants them to know. And what's so fun is as Jesus begins to talk, there's this crowd that starts to move in. And they begin to fill in around Jesus' disciples. And, and, and Jesus begins teaching them and talking to them. And he says, you've heard it said before. You've heard it said before. But now I say unto you, now I say unto you, now I say unto you. And he knows that if he could just get a few to do the I say unto you, that it's going to change the world. And what's so fun is Jesus, where we land today, is Jesus says something that draws people in because it seems really harsh. But underneath the surface, there's far more going on than we could ever anticipate. And this is the genius of Jesus. And so this morning, I, I want you to dive in with me. This is what he says. Not everyone, this is how he starts out the talk today. I love it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, that's a great way to invite people, Jesus. Fantastic job. He says, not all of you will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? And did we not perform miracles? Did we? Did we? Did we not? And you can see Jesus, the crowd, begin to, to, to gather around because when they hear that they're not going to be part of this kingdom that Jesus is talking about, it's like, well, I want to be part of that. Like, you've been on the outside of a conversation looking in, wanting to be part. Well, well, this is kind of drawing them in because they're like, well, aren't we doing these things? It's so interesting. Many of you know I, I get up early and I go to the gym in the morning and I work out. And, and the gym is an intimidating experience, at least for me it is. I'm not a big guy. I'm not, you know, I, I don't. I'm not very muscular, but you go there, and there's some dudes that are like roid raging. You know, they're big, they're bulky, they're grunting, and they're screaming, and it's intimidating to me. I, I don't know. Um, I'm just this puny, weak dude showing up. And, but then there's the other spectrum of, I love, I love it, there's this lady that comes in, and I'm not judging. This is just an assessment, so there's a big difference, you know. But she comes in, and um, she comes in with her husband, and it's fun watching her come in with her husband. And then she gets on the bike. And when she's on the bike, she begins to read. Hey, kill two birds with one stone, right? There's nothing wrong with reading and biking. The problem with, with it, though, and I've watched this, is the, the faster she reads, the slower her, her legs move. Now, I'm not a calorie counter, but I could only imagine that within an hour, she probably burns around 100 calories. Like, okay, that's a lot of work for one apple. That's a lot of work for a fourth of a candy bar. Not worth it to me to get up that early, to go in for an hour, to burn 100 calories. And you know, it's interesting. I, I kind of wonder, what is the conversation like with her doctor when, when, when she goes in? Hey, listen, you haven't lost any weight. You're not getting any healthier. Um, what's the deal? And she's saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm doing all this work. I'm going to the gym. I'm, I'm putting in all this effort. I'm going through the motions. But, I, but what, what's the problem, doc? 
And this is what Jesus is getting at. We can go through the motions and we can miss the desired outcome. You can go through the motions, but you can miss the desired outcome. See, I love this thought because for many of us, including myself, there are days where I feel like, what is, where's the meaning? Where's the purpose? I get up, I eat, I go to the gym, I come back, I go to work, I come home, I babysit my kids, I put them to bed, and every day we just start going through the motions, and I don't feel like my life is any more purposeful than what it, what it should be. And you can hear it, you can hear it in the people, the, the people that think they're following Jesus. They say, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we? And it's like, we're just doing what you did, Jesus. We're just doing what you did. And doesn't that mean we should get where you want us to go if we're just doing what you did? And, and th this is real for many of us. And so listen to what Jesus says next, because I think this is so life-changing. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Oh, man. Jesus, again, just like throwing the hammer down, like so harsh. But I, I keep asking myself, are Jesus' words congruent with his character? Because when I look at the life of Jesus, he goes around, he's helping people, he's speaking life into people. And so why all of a sudden would he say what seems to be a very harsh statement? He says, I never knew you. See, you've had this, you can remember a relationship that you've had, whether it was in high school or college or maybe it was marriage. Do you remember the first, the first date? And, and then you remember like the first week and the second week. And maybe it went into the first year or the second year or maybe even five years. And you loved every minute with them. You loved being around them. You wanted to know more about them. You wanted to experience life with them. And there was a vitality that was happening between you and that person. You, you've, you've been in this place. You remember this, right? The excitement of that relationship. But do you remember the moment that the relationship sort of shifted? Like you were still going on dates and you were still talking on the phone and maybe you moved away or she moved away or, or but all of a sudden there was this shift in the relationship and you can remember the night that that person took you out or you took that person out and you said, or they said to you, Listen, I don't know what's going on between us, but I feel like I don't know you anymore. Do you, do you remember when they said that to you? Or you said that to them? This, this is Jesus' other point. Motions are not the measure for knowing. Just because you go through the motions, just because you go on that date, just because you've had that phone conversation, doesn't mean you actually know the person intimately. And so what I love is that, that Jesus says, we look at that statement, he says, I never knew you, and we think it's a negative statement, but actually it's an invitation. He's saying, I've been wanting to know you. I've been wanting to be in relationship with you, but... And the word evildoer is, man, I've been struggling with that word. I was thinking about that this morning. Why would Jesus use that word? Have you ever thought that anything that is not moving us toward life is somehow moving us closer to death? 
that anything we do that does not give us life or move us to life actually is moving us closer to a life of death. And so we don't see it, but our apathy is one of the most evil things that we could ever do. Motions, apathy, just not caring at all is one of the most evil things that we could ever do. It's like somebody who has cancer. I like this. It's like somebody who has cancer, and the doctor says, hey, we found your cancer early enough that we can heal you. If you just go through the right treatments and you come on in, we'll take good care of you. And, and there's a great opportunity that you will live through this. And you look at the doctor and you say, that's great, doc. I'm excited, but I'm not going to do this, 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 or this. Why would you do that? Why would you say no to a treatment that could actually give you your life back? And this is where Jesus is going. I've offered to have a relationship with you. I've offered to be around you. I've been pursuing you. I've been running after you. And guess what? For some reason, you, you've chosen something else. I don't know you. And so I wonder, how do we get there? How do we get there? It's interesting, Jesus says this at the beginning of the message. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Oh, my goodness. What another great statement. Who is your father, Jesus? Are we talking about Joseph? Are like, we all supposed to become carpenters and follow after him and do what he does? Like, that is one of the most vague statements you could ever make. And that doesn't help us out when it comes to being part of the kingdom at all. In fact, it's really confusing. And what's interesting, and Jesus' disciples find it confusing. Because later in another gospel, one of his disciples say to him, he says, Hey, listen, what is it that the work that is required, what work must we do? What work must we do that God requires? And I want you to see what Jesus says. Here's what he says. To believe in the one who sent me. And I know you're, you're like me. You're like, what? To believe? Come on, like, give me something here. Give me a poem, Jesus. This isn't working at all for me. And I'll be honest, when I see this word just to believe, hey, we don't have to do. We don't have to do. We just have to believe. But the problem is what is believe? In fact, it's, it's fun. If you go in my Bible, you'll see a sticky note, and it reads something like this. It says, you don't know the power within you. Because your faith is too small. I felt like God was saying that to me. When, you don't know the power within you because your faith is too small. And then I put a, a little, little hyphen in it. It says, believe. And you're asking that question. What does that mean? And so it's fun because Jesus actually says something just before this that, that gives us a snapshot. And we're closing it right here. A snapshot of what it looks like to believe. He says, Enter through the narrow gate. Okay, this is not working for me. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through that gate. But, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Is that helping you at all? No, because it doesn't help me either. 
like Jesus, you're supposed to be giving us words of hope. You're supposed to be helping us understand what it means to believe. And it's interesting because, again, what is it about Jesus' character that this doesn't match what, what, who Jesus is? And so it's, as, as I begin to look and I begin to, to work through it, this wonderful word, narrow, which has kind of this negative undertone to it, actually is one of the most life-giving words that Jesus uses. And here's why. Narrow has two meanings, and the first one is to rub against. You ever heard people say, yeah, I was rubbing shoulders with. Like they went to a special event or they went to a dinner, and they tell you about the person that they were, quote, rubbing shoulders with. Why do you rub shoulders with people? That's such a goofy, that's a goofy line anyway, but why do you rub shoulders with people? There, there's something about that person that you like, or maybe they, they have a life that you want to live just like that. When you look at them, you think, this is who I want to be. Or maybe they do something that would align with what you do. And you think, if we could just work together on this, that, man, we could do something great in life. And so you rub shoulders with people, right? This is the image that Jesus wants to give us. Listen, I just want you to rub shoulders with me for just a minute. We, we can talk. We can get to know each other. This is going to be a good experience. But then there's another part to this that I, I think we struggle with. The word narrow can also mean oppression or affliction. And I'm thinking, well, that's not helpful at all. Like, who, who are the people that are oppressed? Who are the people that are afflicted? And as I begin to think, slaves. Slaves are oppressed. Slaves are affli afflicted. And what do slaves do? They work. Ah, there it is. There it is. When Jesus says, narrows the gate, in other words, I need you to rub shoulders with me. But guess what? It's going to require work. It's not something that's momentary, but if you want a monumental faith, if you want a monumental life, if you want monumental meaning and purpose, then guess what? It's going to take work. It's going to take work. And it's going to require that you what? You know me. You know me. So here's what I would say to you today. Here's what I want you to know. You want to be like Jesus? You, you want to live the life that you feel like you've been promised? Then learn to be with Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? Learn to be with Jesus. And you're saying, yeah, well, I'm not a Jesus follower. And I, that's fine. I get that. But if you want to live into a purpose, if you want to have meaning, if you want to live life, as we say, as it's divinely designed to bring hope, to give life, to have excitement, to live a thrill. This is where it starts. And so many of us just go through the motions. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like life for you is just about a bunch of motions? You're exhausted, you're tired, and you know what? It's easier for you to just go on autopilot. It's easier for you to be apathetic than it is for you to actually work through it. You know, I, I think about this, that, again, some of the most meaningful moments of life are the times where we're the most exhausted and we're the most tired, but we really need to push through and work. And so I would just say, come on, you can do this. It doesn't make sense. It's mysterious. It's weird. It's odd. And like, I know Christians are weird people. I get that. 
Half the time I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that guy. (laughs) But that's the beauty of the journey. Is that it takes work. And it takes knowing God in a new way. And so I would say this. Take control of your time. What What do I want you to do this week? I want you to take control of your time. And here's what I mean by that. I think people have better relationships with places than they do with people. I wonder what would happen if Sunday were Monday. People tell me all the time why they don't come to church. I'm okay with that. Like, I get it. I've been there. I haven't always been a pastor. I I like to sleep in too. But, you know, people give me all these excuses. That's fine. You know, don't give me an excuse. Just tell me you wanted to sleep in. I'm okay with that. There's nothing wrong with getting rest. But I often wonder, what if it was Monday and it was time to go to work? Your alarm goes off. You'd be there. I wonder if, if it came to your health and the way you, you ate, you, you most likely would, you would do everything you could in your power to eat the right foods, to make yourself healthy, to go to the gym. Like, we wouldn't miss that. We wouldn't miss work. We wouldn't miss our kids' soccer games on Saturdays. You, would, well, you wouldn't miss the playoff games. You wouldn't miss March Madness. No, 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 no. We would, we would empty space in our schedule. We would take control of our time in order to make those things happen. But what's so crazy is people come to me and they say, Pastor, I don't get it. I feel empty. I feel tired. I feel like this whole God thing isn't working out for me. And I'll ask them this question. Have you been rubbing shoulders at all with God? No. Okay, well, when's a good time for you? Well, I'm too tired in the morning. Or I'm too tired at night. Okay, well, can you, can you get up? Just try to get up a little. No, I don't want to. And it's just like, I want the outcome, but I'm so unwilling to do the work. So unwilling. And so my challenge to you this week is for you to take control of your time. To find space within your schedule. Find space for you to rub shoulders. And if you want to know what that looks like, come and talk with me. I'll be happy to chat with you. I don't have time. That's another sermon for another day. But I'd love to talk with you about it. So take control of your time and begin to live the life, the desired outcome that you were meant to live all along. Hope you can join me on that journey. Let's pray. Lord, we do give you thanks for your goodness to us. We thank you that you are a God who meets us in our very moment, who comes forth and says, hey, hey, here's a new life. It's completely different. This is exciting. I want you to be a part of it. And yeah, the beauty of the journey is it's weird, it's odd, it's mysterious, it doesn't make sense. But the joy is getting to work through that and and beginning to grow over time. And Lord, we, we recognize today that you want to do something monumental through us, that we should never just live these momentary lives, but we should live beyond what we could ever dream or imagine. So today we commit to doing the work. We do, we do, we commit to doing the work. And it's in your name we pray.